Howdy, howdy, my friends, and welcome to episode seven of our Titus series here on the Run of the Mills podcast. Welcome, and hey, today, believe it or not, we are going to finish, well, I shouldn't say we're going to. The plan is to finish the first sentence of the book of Titus. And as I have said, as we've gone through, this is a really long sentence, and I was, I tried to be embittered, but... Man, I got in trouble from so many teachers as as a kid for writing run-on sentences. And I don't know if this is technically a run-on sentence, but it's sure longer than any sentence I ever wrote. So anyway, um, we are at the point now where, where Paul is telling us who he's writing to. He has introduced himself. He's told us who he is, what he's called to do, and, um, and what his calling is. And now he is going to tell us who he's writing to. These are important things to know. Um, the nice thing is, of course, in this letter, it tells us, Paul tells us right from the beginning who's writing it, and he tells us who he's writing it to. Now, the interesting thing as we read this is, um, well, I guess, well, let's read it, and then we'll talk about it. In verse 4, he says, To Titus, a true son in our common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. So it's to Titus, and when we think about Paul, um, I'm sure that if you think about Paul, you probably think about Paul's letters that um, make up the you know the Pauline epistles in the New Testament. But we also know about Paul a lot of what we know about Paul we know from the Book of Acts, and there are a lot of characters who show up in the Book of Acts. Um, these are not uh, uh, literary characters; these are historical characters. These are people that lived and. What's interesting um, is that in the book of Acts, we read about many people um, in the early church, but one who we do not read about is Titus. So we have this guy, Titus, that Paul is writing to here, um, and he is mentioned in other places. He's mentioned in 2 Corinthians as well. So we do know a little bit about him, and what we do know, uh, a great deal of what we know about him just comes from the book of Titus, what Paul says about him in this book, and what he um what he is uh, encouraging him to do. So one of the things we're going to find out about Titus here is that Titus is a um, a pastor. Paul has left him in charge. Um, he, is, he has put him in, in position in a church in Crete, and he's going to talk about the Cretans, and he's going to talk about um, a lot of important stuff for the church. So it says, To Titus, a true son in our common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. So, um, what we know about Titus again is that he is a pastor called to lead this church, and this is a letter written to him. But I think that it is well known that this is going to be distributed to others as well, and I think this is important for a number of reasons. Uh, one being uh, that uh, they didn't have a Bible at this time, right? They had what would be the Old Testament, and they, they were compiling the Gospels and these these letters such from Paul, those who were um, these books that in letters that were authoritative written by those uh, apostles, those who had direct contact with Jesus. And so Titus um, is sharing this is going to be sharing this message. I think it's always helpful to say, hey, here's what Paul, the apostle, shared with me to share with you. And I'm so glad that he wrote this down and didn't just tell Titus on his own because now we can benefit from it. And there's all sorts of good stuff in here. A lot of things that I think would be good for a lot of um, church leaders to read 
and uh, oftentimes they're just not aware of these things. And, and we'll talk about that as we go through the qualifications for an elder and, and such as, as Paul writes about the type of men that um, the Titus ought to put in place. But what he says about Titus in verse 4, he says, Titus, a true son in our common faith. You know, Titus is, is you know, one of Paul's uh, spiritual sons. You know, he's one of those people that he shared with, these young men who Paul shared with, Paul discipled and raised up like he would raise up an, his own son. But they, they were not his sons. They were young men that he met, and he was able to share the gospel with them, and they become his spiritual children. And that doesn't mean like they have to call him daddy or that he has some sort of uh, power or uh, authority necessarily over them, but he's, he's, it, there's a closeness. There's, there's this um, relationship that's special to Paul and to Titus. And if you have um, never experienced that, um, I feel bad for you. Um, because there's a blessing to be in that place where you can have that relationship with somebody who has shared the gospel with you and, and helped disciple you. And in the other way as well, where you have the opportunity to share with somebody else and be that that spiritual parent to them, to help them get on their way. And, uh, you know, the role of a parent is to raise up the child to the point where they're no longer necessary. You know, that's uh, my hope with my kids is that when it's time for them to go off on their own, that um, that I've done enough that they don't need me, you know. Um, but does that mean that there's not still a special relationship? Of course not. So he says, Titus, a true son in our common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Now, I think there's some great stuff in this little phrase, and Paul uses this phrase in all of his letters, and in letters to Titus and Timothy, he has the word mercy in, inserted between grace and peace. And But if we read this, we say grace, mercy, and peace from where? From God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. So one of the things I love about this is the order, of course. Grace always comes first. Peace always comes second. It's always the way it is, um, except for, again, in Titus and Timothy, where you have the, the word mercy inserted in there. There are some translations that don't have the word mercy in there because there are some ancient copies where it doesn't, um, that word mercy isn't, is not in the, uh, in the, in the copy. So some people uh, will, will choose, or some interpreters, Bible interpreters, will choose to use different ancient manuscripts based on what they believe is the reliable text. So anyway, this is just a typical introduction. Grace was the typical Roman introduction. Peace would be um, like Shalom, the typical Jewish introduction. And so what I love about them is they're always put in this order because grace always precedes peace, right? You can't have the peace of God until you've first received the grace of God. Right? You can't be at peace with God unless you have first surrendered to God and received his forgiveness and become come into right relationship with him. Right? You haven't you have to receive his righteousness because you're not righteous in your own your own works. You receive his righteousness by faith. And well, how do you how does that righteousness come? Well, it's through grace, right? We're we're saved by grace. I'm sorry, I should have said through faith by grace. So we're saved by grace through faith. We are offered a gift. That's what grace means. Un unmerited favor, a free gift, something you don't deserve, um, that you've been given and you receive it 
through faith, you're saying, I believe that God has, has, God has offered me this forgiveness, that if I just believe, I'm forgiven. I can receive that, that, uh, Christ's death as payment for my, for mine, for my own. And, and, uh, you know, he died for my sins to pay the price for my sins. And how do I receive that? Well, I receive it by faith, which means I believe it. And some people are like, well, it's gotta be more than that. No, that's what, that's how you receive it, right? You believe that what God has said, God is able to do. I believe that God, that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I believe that, that he paid the price for them, that I am, I have the righteousness of Christ through my faith in him. He's a free gift of grace because grace comes first. You can't have peace with God. No, a lot of people think they do. A lot of people say things like, oh yeah, me and the man upstairs, we're good. You know, I've got no problems with, you know, I'm cool with Jesus. Well, have you received him as your savior? Have you repented of your sin? Uh, I don't like to get in all that sin stuff. Well, Jesus likes to get in all that sin stuff, right? He likes to deal with that. That's the whole point is not you being saved so that you can continue to be the way you are. And a lot of people misunderstand that because they hear things like, you know, Jesus loves you just the way you are. Well, there's a difference between loving you just the way you are and loving you because you're the way you are. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to repeat that. There's a difference between loving you just the way you are and loving you because of the way you are. See, he just doesn't love you because of the way you are. He loves you the way you are because he loves you. The way you are is irrelevant, right? He loves you, he just loves you. And you might not receive that. You might reject that, but Jesus loves you. He died on the cross to pay the price for your sin. He proved it once and for all. And so he did that while, you, while we were yet sinners, right? So that's the, Jesus loves you just the way you are. Well, Jesus loves you as a sinner. However, it's not his desire that you remain that way. The desire of Jesus is not to save you so that you can stay how you are, right? It's to, con, you know, like, like, it's to conform you into his image so that you might be like him. So um, if you're lacking in peace in your life, if you're finding yourself anxious and depressed and or angry or resentful, if you're lacking in peace, you need to go back to the cross and remember his grace. When you're lacking in peace, remember his grace. Remember the price of your salvation. Remember what he did for you. Remember how he demonstrated his love for you. And it goes a great distance in dealing with those issues that we have. When I'm anxious, what should I have to be anxious for? I have eternal life. I know I do because I know he died for me. And as we talked about the last few days, he can't lie. So if he's if he said he died for my sins, then he did. If I have eternal life in him, then I do. And so... It's, it's, it's one of those things, again, when I find myself uh, angry or resentful towards someone else, I, I remember the price of my forgiveness. I remember why I'm forgiven. I'm not forgiven because I'm better than other people. I'm forgiven not by any of my own doing, but because Jesus loves me. And so when it comes to forgiving others, I can forgive them because I've been forgiven. I don't have to be depressed. I can think about the cross and be reminded of eternal life. And I can rejoice in my salvation, not my present situation, which is usually the case. 
when I find myself anxious, when I find myself angry, when I find myself depressed, it's because I have gotten my eyes off of Jesus and put them onto my present situation. It's like Peter walking on the water, right? He's doing great, but then he notices all the things going on around him presently. And he forgets about what Jesus has already told him, which was come. Takes his eyes off the Lord and he starts to sink. So when we start to sink, what we do well, we cry out to Jesus, just like Peter did. Cry out to Jesus and say, oh God, forgive me. I'm, forgive me. Forgive me. And be reminded of his grace. Be reminded of his free gift to you. And you'll find that what follows that grace, it's peace. God bless you. Talk to you next time.